How inscrutable are his judgments, and how unsearchable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? In our second reading today, St. Paul is directly quoting from the book of Job. This has become one of my favorite books in the Bible over the years. It is so unique. It is so thought-provoking. And as St. John Paul II said in his encyclical on suffering, the first encyclical ever to treat that subject that, that plagues all of our minds, we all grapple with it. He said, you know, the, the question of suffering finds its most vivid expression in the book of Job. And so where do these words come from? In the book of Job, uh, Job has undergone so many tragedies. He's lost all of his children in a storm. He's lost all of his crops, all of his livestock. He's personally been afflicted by boils and horrible sickness. And he finds himself crying out to God, why? Why? Why are you letting this happen? I know that I'm righteous. I know that I've not sinned before your eyes. His closest friends come to visit him. Even his own wife berate him and say, just admit you're a big sinner, and that's why all this is happening. And for 38 chapters, this debate goes between Job and God, him demanding an answer, saying, why is this horrible lot fallen upon me? And and why are the people closest to me so sure it's because of my sins? And then him going back and forth with his friends, defending his righteousness, and then pointing out to him, you know, he, he surely must be a sinner. All of this, all of this, and God finally responds uh, after 38 chapters. And it says that God comes out of a storm, and he speaks to Job, and he says, Gird up your loins now like a man. I will question you, and you will tell me the answers. And he begins like this. Where were you when I founded the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its size? Surely you know. Who stretched out the measuring line for it? And maybe you can feel in your gut right now what Job was feeling like. Ooh, didn't see that one coming. <laughs> and Job goes on for two chapters and questions um, Job about where were you, you know, when I created the earth, when I set the seas, when I set the stars, when I developed all of these animals? And Job is kind of reduced to being speechless. He, he responds to him uh, after these two chapters and says, look, I'm of little account. What can I answer you? I put my hand over my mouth. I've spoken once. I will not reply twice, but I will do so no more. And then God is not done with him. He gives him a little bit more business. And it's interesting here. He starts reflecting on two kind of mythical creatures that wreak havoc. One is the behemoth, which in ancient um, times was, was kind of the idea of like a huge hippopotamus or, or maybe like an elephant that just kind of was, was insurmountable and wreaked havoc. And then he talks about the Leviathan, which is which is a huge dragon-like creature. And he spends a chapter and a half reflecting upon Leviathan and kind of questioning him and saying, can you lead Leviathan about with a hook or tie down his tongue with a rope? Can you put a ring in his nose or pierce through his cheek with a gaff? And he just invites Job into this tough questioning of, 
considering, look at these things that I've made that you have no control over, that you have no power over, that seem totally insignificant and even just destructive, like you can't even find a redeeming quality, but yet I've made them and I sustain them and I have my purposes. And then is this this quote that comes, this quote that St. Paul uh, is quoting in um, our second reading. And he says, you know, I know you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be hindered. And he goes on, I've, I've spoken but did not understand things too marvelous for me, which I did not know. Okay, a lot going on there. But all of this to say, the whole book of Job that St. That Paul invites us, it invites us into the mystery of suffering and it invites us into the mystery of God and his creation. There are some things St. Paul is telling us that we just can't understand. There are some things that are inscrutable. There are some things that are um, unsearchable, as he says in, um, in, in, in his quoting. And because of this, it leads us into a certain sense of surrender to God. When we stand before God, and, and even more than the questioning, like God gives Job this very hard line of questioning, but he encounters God in the storm, and that encounter and, and staring his grandeur in the face leaves him speechless. All of the, the thought negotiations and questioning back and forth is secondary to the very fact that he looks God in the face and sees his grandeur and says, yeah, I've probed beyond what I can understand. And so the sense that St. Paul's inviting us to is one of complete surrender and dependence upon God, trusting that his ways, although they are inscrutable, although they are unsearchable to us, they are trustworthy and good and always has our good in mind. Even though we are allowed to go through suffering and all these things, which we'll never fully understand. That's what's one of the, the, the things that the book of Job helps us to grapple with. We'll never fully understand the mystery of suffering in this life. But yet God is with us. And even in the behemoth, even in the Leviathan, God has his purposes. There's purposefulness and there, there can even be beauty as, in, in the role that these things play. Uh, ultimately, the, the answer to all this that, that God will give us is, is Jesus himself, which is uh, him on the cross suffering with us, dying for us and rising. That's the answer. But again, it's not a, an intellectual, comprehensive answer. It's a mystery. God comes as a person and enters into our suffering and redeems us. Okay, I'm all over the place. But Speaking of unsearchable, inscrutable plans, our first reading and our gospel give us a real humdinger. Last week, we considered how odd of God to choose the Jews, this famous uh, couplet from, uh, from, a, from a writing of a British author. How odd of God to choose the Jews. And here we, we get a little finer look at God's crazy, seemingly impossible plan. He chooses the Jews, this unknown, small, nobody of a country to be specially in relationship to him. And today, uh, through the prophet Isaiah, we hear about Eliakim, who God has chosen to be kind of like a prime minister in Israel. And David is the king, and everything in the, everything in the Old Testament is like a blueprint 
of God's plan for the New Testament. It seems totally crazy, totally improbable, but God chooses the Jews. He chooses Israel. He gives them a king, King David, who is very much a, a forerunner, kind of prototype for the Messiah to come. You sets up Eliakim. He gives him this special key to help apply the authority of the king in the state of Israel. And then we see the fulfillment in the gospel. And many times as we go through the readings, uh, the church purposely will give us a first reading from the Old Testament and then show us how it's fulfilled in the gospels through Jesus and his life. So we see Jesus, the fulfillment of the Davidic line, the, the Messiah has come, and we see the new Eliakim. We see the prime minister in God's kingdom as he shifts it from just Israel into the whole world. And who's he choose? A fisherman with a temper who has very um, great aspirations, but not great follow through. <laughs> this is who God has chosen in his inscrutable ways and in his unsearchable ways. He chooses Peter, very rash, very hot headed at times, very quick to profess, I'll never forsake you and then not follow through. This is the guy that God chooses to place his keys to the kingdom of heaven in his hands, in his person, in his life, to be passed on and guarded for the rest of time as God's kingdom grows over the whole earth. And this fisherman who's going to portray Jesus, who's going to be so afraid until the coming of the Holy Spirit, He's after, after Pentecost, he's going to send this same fisherman to walk all the way to Rome, the center of the known world, to lead the Christian community to die there upside down on a cross. His body will be buried there, and Christendom will literally be built upon his bones. Go to St. Peter's today in Rome. It is built upon those bones of that rash fisherman. And 2,000 years later, the church still exists against all the odds. It's billions of people. It's, it's covered the whole globe. Um, there's still much to be done, but so many cultures have been touched, so many languages. And it seemed just a ridiculous plan from the very beginning. And all of this to say, um, there's this invitation when we, when we look at God, it, he's, it seems so mysterious. It seems so impossible for there to be answers to the ways in which God does things. But as Job leads us, his inscrutable are his judgments, unsearchable his ways. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Looking at all of this, we have to look at our own lives and say, can we believe that God is at work in our lives just as powerfully as in the life of Job, just as powerfully as in the life of Eliakim, just as powerfully as in the life of Peter, just as powerfully as in the history of the church. Can we believe that in the behemoths in our life, the leviathans in our life, the, the struggles that we go through, can we believe not just even there, but especially there, that God is present and he is at work weaving all of these things into his loving plan for our life. That's the invitation today. And I invite you to take some prayerful reflection this week and look at the, the aspects of your life that you just think have no answers to. And even take some time like Job and, and cry out to God, demand answers. At the end of the, 
the book of Job, God said Job never sinned in questioning him. In fact, he said that his friends sinned in judging him and trying to explain the reasons for his suffering. And he sent those friends to Job, and Job had to pray for them to help put them back in right relationship with God. So don't be afraid to cry out to God and ask him about the things in your life that confound you that seem just to have no answers or no redeemable qualities. But then uh, take on those words of Job and just say, God, how unscrutable are your judgments? How unsearchable are your ways? You know, give me the grace to trust you, Lord. And and that's that's when we get to the brink of all this, that's where we get to the point that God wants us to get to, and that's of surrender. Surrendering our lives into his hands and becoming completely dependent upon him to guide us and show us the fullness of life. Show us the way that he has planned for us and show us the way that he wants to use us to continue his plan of sanctifying the earth. He's not done yet. All the grace in the person of Jesus Christ has been made available to the world, but he wants to pass it on and apply it through our participation. And that requires us entering into the mystery of life, of suffering, of, of, of our future, of our past, of our present, surrendering our lives to God and, and giving him permission to let his plan be worked out in our lives. I invite you to do that this week, and don't be afraid to call upon the help of Job, Eliakim, St. Peter, and St. Paul.